live from HCAP Studios. And we're back. It's the Facts Don't Matter podcast. I'm your host. My name is D. This is episode 14. 14. As you can hear, I have Karina back with me again Hello. today. This is a very special episode. It's our first episode since we kind of took a little mini break after Memorial Day weekend episode that we were able to put out that week. And wow. Uh, a lot has happened since then, and I kind of want to preface this episode by letting the listeners know that this episode is going to be a little bit more of a serious tone than you might have been used to if you listened to a lot of the first episodes when we were first getting started, but not that different if you've heard some more recent episodes where we get into some of these more serious topics. We have a guest today. I'm going to introduce her in a minute, but I want to preface this episode by saying that this is a platform that I've created along with the help of friends like Karina over the past few months and those of you who listen while there's only a let's call it a couple or a few hundred of you you are listening to every episode and to me that means that I hold a certain level of responsibility with this platform with everything that's been happening in the past two three four weeks it's really important to give a voice to the people and the organizations that are actually taking action um and helping actually enact this change. You you can tweet about it all you want or post it on your story all you want. But the bottom line is these kind of things, this kind of change, it requires action. It requires plans. It requires uh, putting people together into coalitions. And all that kind of stuff is what's done by the amazing people who have actually dedicated their lives to this way before the untimely passing of George Floyd, way before the untimely passing of Ahmaud Arbery. So today we have a very special guest, V or Valencia, what would you prefer? Whichever one you decide. I'll go with V if it's okay with you. So Valencia Gunder, Valencia Gunder is here. She is the campaign director for the New Florida Majority Organization. New Florida Majority, um, I'm going to have her give a little bit more details on it, but I want to start with you, V. I want to start with you, your story, how you came to get so involved in a lot of these different things that you're doing in the community and how you got to New Florida Majority. So let's start with, I did a little bit of research, but okay. everybody who listens to this knows I'm not the ultimate research guy. Okay. So, But I did do a little reading, and the first thing I found um, when starting to look you up was your work with the, I believe I'm saying this right, Dignity for Incarcerated Women's Campaign. Yes. Okay. Talk to me about, was that kind of your first foray Okay, so tell me what really was your first kind of foray into organizing and all that kind of stuff. And then how did that lead up to what I found? And what is that? Yes. So um, I'm Valencia Gunder, or V, she, her pronouns. I'm a black woman from Liberty City. And um, I think my activism started way back in um, 2010. Um, okay. One of my favorite poets, um, Bertrand Boy, he was also in the movie um, Queen and Slim. Oh, he has a great poem movie. called um, The Day the Earth shook still and it's a poem about the earthquake in Haiti and um it was that day that you know although in my mind I had always been conscious or woke I only had twitter fingers (laughs) and um I was living in Tallahassee at the time I went to Florida and University shout out FAMU that's right (laughs) and um 
I was like, we need to help. Like, um, being from Miami, y'all know that we have the largest Haitian population outside of Haiti, inside of our city. I have many friends that are Haitian, uh, many mentors. I had teachers. I mean, just people around me. What You're not a Miamian if you have not been exposed to right. Haitian people sure. or Haitian right. culture. And I decided that, you know, we was going to do something. And um, I emptied out my kitchen cabinets with all my canned goods, and I asked all my friends and everything, and then I ended up filling my apartment to the roof with supplies wow. to send wow. to Haiti. Yes, I had organized all of the fraternities at FAMU and FSU. FSU threw a concert for wow. us wow. and everything. And we, um, what a great school. <laughs> you went to FAMU? I went to FSU. Oh, okay. <laughs> right across the we street. We family, yep. And um, we um, drove down in these two huge U-Hauls from Tallahassee to Miami, and we partnered with Church in Notre Dame. And um, they assisted us with getting the stuff over to Haiti. And I think that was the first time I had really, like, physically organized. Gotcha. I went through this whole thing where I um, ended up being homeless, and then I ended up almost going to prison in 2010. It was a whirlwind. Um, And I think that I went through all of that in 2010 to shape the reason why and how I do my activism. All of that happened within the same year. The same year. Organizing and you're running with with homelessness. Yep, yep. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, why does it keep hitting me back to back to back? And um, while I was homeless, I said, like, you know, when I get back on my feet, I'm going to assist folks. I moved back to Miami. Okay. Um, and then after my incarceration, I came back to Miami. And um, it took me a few years because I had to work and get myself together because financially, mentally, and spiritually, I was not in a good place. And um, 2014, I went out to feed the homeless. And um, I only wanted to serve about 30 sandwiches. I didn't think that I was going to do something big, but it's now been six years and feeding 150,000 people wow. in two wow. states. Um, across states. In a, yes. It's in Atlanta as well, right? Yeah, Atlanta and Miami. And what's the name of that program? It's the Smile Trust. The Smile Trust. Yes. And, um, I mean, we do hurricane um, preparedness and response now. Uh, we create models, grassroots models, on people to respond to their community after hurricane, um, in any natural or man-made disasters. So we, so from there, I always say we because I don't work alone. So y'all gonna hear me say that? That's often. important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, from there, I um, decided like I wasn't gonna sit still. You know, the Trayvon Martin situation happened. And you all know what happened with Mike Brown and different things like that. And also what happened at FAMU, um, Philip Agnew, mm. um, which is one of the co-founders of Dream Defenders, he and I went to school together. Okay. And so when I wanted to get active, probably like most folks, they, especially like really young folk, they look on the internet and you usually find an organization like Dream Defenders. Yeah. And um, they were going out to protest for Mike Brown. And I was like, I'm going this time. I'm going to go. And I... Got my signs up there and everything, and I got up on the highway and did all of the things. I did whatever they told me to do. Right. I got up there and did it because I just wanted to make sure that I was there, but that wasn't good enough either. Mm. I was just like, I still should be doing more and more and more and more. And um, next thing you know, um, I just started using my social media platform to like bring awareness to things. And then I also bumped into the reality that we deal with a lot of intercommunity violence. Mm. And um, that I think that was what 2015, um, in Liberty City or right north of Liberty Liberty City in like the Arcola Lake area, mm-hmm. it was a lot of shootings that summer, mm-hmm. and um, I was invited to speak at a community rally on it, 
And um, that's the day I met my best friend here. <laughs> uh, much and we've been throwing down in the streets together since and um from there i ended up just continuously speaking being a part of coalitions um we were canvassing neighborhoods and everything and that was before i even got to new florida majority right i started working at new florida majority in 2016 okay. I, um my formal education is an agricultural business okay so i do work around environmental science and environmental justice and um i was invited to a Community conversation, and I'm in there running my big old mouth like I always do. No, no, this is great. (laughs) And um, the director then, um, Gihan Pereira of New Florida Majority, was there, and he approached me, and he was like, we're going to work together. And three weeks later, he offered me a position at New Florida Majority, and I've been working there ever since. Awesome. And then... All the other things happen. Amendment four and all the good stuff. Right. So uh, yeah, that I wanted to talk. So (laughs) let's get let's let's go uh, in chronological order, right? Like so, you got into you got to New Florida Majority in 2016, but you weren't only working with New Florida Majority, right? Mm -hmm. Going back to the Dignity for Incarcerated Women campaign. Mm -hmm. That's around 2017. Am I correct on that? Between 2017 and 2019, you were working with them, and in 2019. We got the Dignity for Incarcerated Women's Act passed. Mm-hmm. That actually passed. Yep. Talk about that and what what went into that. And also talk about how close to home that act and that campaign was for you. For sure. For sure. So um, I started working at New FM in 2016. And then also, um, so in 2016, we went up against North Miami police um, for the Charles Kinsey situation that was the unarmed black nurse that was shot that was protecting his autistic mm-hmm. yep. patient here yep. in Miami. Yep. And um, because of our organizing and our pushing, that was the first time an officer had been actually charged and convicted in 30 years wow. in Miami-Dade County. And that same month, literally, um, my goddaughter was murdered. Wow. Um, wow. From gun Sorry. violence here. Jada Page, she was eight. And um, in my frustration and in my grief, I had applied to become a Soros Justice Fellow, and um, I got this, the fellowship. I'm the first Miamian to get that fellowship. Oh, wow. And in that group of people from around the country, these people fight criminal justice reform on all magnitudes that you could think of, right? Yeah. Wow. So um, I was asked to do a talk um, at the conference, and I had shared my story of incarceration. I had kind of sort of kept that really quiet because – I mean, y'all know just recently in the last few years, has it been cool or Mm. okay to tell people that you are formerly incarcerated or a felon or ex-felon or whatever language you want to use? And um, when I shared my story about my incarceration and how when I was being extradited across the state of Florida, they denied me a sanitary napkins. They denied me, um, I mean, tissue. Depending on who the guard was, they wouldn't give you soap. And I thought that was a specific thing that just happened to me. And um, when I shared my story, as soon as I came off the stage, I met all of these women who were in the room. Most, probably 98% of them have been incarcerated. I mean, it's women who were on death row, who gotten pardoned, to women who did a week in jail. So Mm. it was a large plethora of folks, and um, all of them knew exactly what I was talking about. And they were telling me how women were around the country in different states fighting to make sure that women had access to sanitary napkins and hygiene products. And I was like, I'm going to do that in the state of Florida. But that was in 2018 when that was stuff was happening. 2017, okay. 2018. And I know our focus was Amendment 4 in, 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 in Florida. Right. And as a person who had not been able to vote since 2008, right. pretty much, 
I um, wanted to focus. I didn't want to shift our focus of our movement, of our people. Everybody was super excited, including myself, for Amendment 4. Right, so I focused. Course. But I promised myself and all of my people that immediately after this election, we're going to... This gonna, was your next focus. Right. And, go um, we launched it literally like that next month. I brought, I put out a call um, and asked, did women experience that? And mm-hmm. I filled the room with 75 people. Wow. Went to Orlando, had 60 people, went to Jacksonville, another 80 women. And like women across the state was just, you know, emailing me and texting me and calling me and hit me up on social media like I went through the same thing and that happened to me and when I was in I was raped or all of these things that were happening and the the officers are watching me undress and they're like jacking off and it's just all these things that are happening and then getting letters from inside of the facility of all of these women who are being sexually assaulted and denied these things and um that's all I needed to hear, right? Because right. once I knew it was bigger than just me, I felt as if it was enough. And so instead of me going to Tallahassee by myself, we formed the Dignity Florida Committee. It's our coalition of women from across the state who are formerly incarcerated. Because I mean, we don't put no time on it. Like, you could have served one day. Like, we know a woman who only was in there eight hours and was raped. Wow. Right? Wow. And we know, right. So it, it's if you experience while being incarcerated denial of your self-respect as a woman you are included in this space black white latinx whatnot and uh, we went back and forth to tallahassee and um when we first before we even went i had to find some legislators who were going to follow legislation and support right and at the time senator jason pizzo who is not black (laughs) Um, who I I, I have much respect for because he's been in our community doing work for many years. I went to him, I went to his house, and I was like, you know, um, Jason, um, this thing I want to do, and I have draft legislation. I talked to all of these women. And his wife was like, he's doing it. (laughs) His wife was like, he's doing doing it. it. And then I approached um, Representative Chevron Jones. Okay. And they both of them immediately was like, yes, we'll do it. They filed the legislation, and um, a lot of people who have been doing work in Tallahassee for a long time was like, Valencia, don't be upset if it doesn't pass mm. the first year because exactly. in the state of Florida, sometimes it takes two years, right. three years. Right. And I was just like, yeah, I hear you, but I think we're going to be okay. And we passed <laughs> unanimously through every committee, oh. and we passed unanimously on the House in the Senate floor. As it and should we have. signed it to law. And honestly... The the incoming because you know we had a governor's race in 2018 right, also right. so that brought in a new secretary for Department of Corrections mm. and um, Secretary Inch was like I can't believe that this is not already law right and he was like is this really really happening like is this even necessary right, right. like, like how work? is this not already right. a thing yeah. and a lot of the legislators were feeling that way too right Republican Democrat Independent they were like wait. What? And then I even asked some of them to go into the facilities. Don't believe me. Mm. Go in there, ask. And they literally went in. Like, we have legislators. They In the state of Florida, you don't have to make book an appointment if you're a legislator. You could just go to the facility, mm. and they have to let you in. So they and, went unannounced. Um, right. And, and they, they saw they, what was really going on. Right. And the fact that, like, you know, some of them, especially Senator Pizzo, he went to seven different facilities, talked to over 700 women, and he was like, this is ridiculous. 
This is ridiculous. And um, he got so much support. Both him and um, Representative Jones got so much support. Um, We had over 72 legislators sign on as co-sponsors for the legislation. Um, We even had people like what we would call strange bedfellows, like the American Conservative Union. Mm. Right. Okay. (laughs) Actually supported the legislation. That's how you know you're doing something that's (laughs) just like needs to happen right. when yeah. even the, is, those groups right. are on Ron's, your side. We're not asking for anything extra or right. anything grand. We're asking your for bare, ne- bare necessities. Like we need sanitary napkins. We need pads. Right. We need tampons and we need tissue and soap. Like we need that. And we need no lie deodorant. Like we were just very clear about it. It happened. It, it, it passed. And um, the right. governor signed it into law and literally Two weeks after it was signed into law, before because the law is going to affect July first. Okay, before July first, because he signed it like May twentieth or something like that. A mother hit us up on Twitter and was like, "My daughter just called and say they just gave everybody a box of tampons mm. in, oh. the, in the prison," <laughs> and right. I was like. It's, it's, it's happening. happening. <laughs> and although I'm never planning on going back to jail or prison or none of that, right? I'm just happy that I was able to do something to make sure that while our sisters are still in these cages, that they at least have their basic necessities needed. You already don't have the ability to use the bathroom when you want to, you know, eat what you want or go where you want to go. At least give me what I need to make sure I'm healthy and and clean. Absolutely. I mean, that's the bare minimum. As a person who had to ride in the back of a van, shackled, handcuffed, with six men in full blood, and I say as drastic as that so people could understand right. exactly what yeah. was happening. No, yeah, it's important. Yeah, and I was in my soil for hours. And then to get to another facility, because when you get an extradited, they bounce you from facility to facility. It ain't like mm. they pick you up in Miami and take you straight to Tallahassee. I wish mm. that's what they would have did, but that's not what happens. And from facility to facility. So I'm like, this ain't even just a Miami thing or just a Broward thing or just a, it's a thing that was happening across the entire state. It's a system thing. Right. And um, from there, we were, we were successful for, with that. But the sad part was while we were going up to hear our final vote in Tallahassee for the Dignity for Incarcerated Women Act, one of our um, great media friends at W. Um, I don't know the letters to the ch- channels. Channel 10. <laughs> <It's okay. Yeah. laughs> Channel 10. Um, Laren Livingston called and he was like, Valencia, did you hear about um, a Tammy Jackson? Okay. Tammy Jackson. And I was I just got word that she was forced to have her baby in solitary confinement at Broward. And he was like, I'm going to do a story on it. And from there, although we were celebrating that we just won the Dignity for Incarcerated Women Act, I'm like, this is not okay. And all of the women that was with us was like, it's not okay. And then we immediately was like, we're going to pass the Tammy Jackson Act. And the governor just signed it yesterday. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. That's awesome. That's yeah. great, great news. So Hold two up. Years Talk about timing. <laughs> So That's two amazing. years. So y'all got the first interview on that. That's what's wow. up. That's awesome. Wow, <laughs> that was so that's, years, that's amazing. Two that's years amazing. in a row, Dignity Florida has went up to Tallahassee to change the conditions for women while incarcerated, and we have been successfully unanimously passing. And the governor has signed both into law for two years straight, and we are planning on going back. Hell again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go for the three peat now. That's right. That's, that's right. right. Uh, that's, we that's, need the rings like um, Michael Jordan. That's right. right. We need six. We need six at least. So, okay. That's amazing. 
And mm-hmm. both of those outcomes are exactly what you would want going into it. Um, even though you were prepared for the fight not to be that quick. That's right. And that's important to touch on again. She was told by her peers, right. this might not fly right away, especially because it's Florida. But it did because that's it was right. that important of an issue. I think that's important to highlight. Like, yeah. Especially if you're out there and you want to try to organize things or you want to try and build these campaigns. V will tell you herself, they don't always happen overnight. They don't always happen uh, where you get the outcome desired. These are two great examples of when that does happen. But there's how many examples of how, how many times it doesn't, right? Right. And and I also want to name that it was people who did work before I even started mm. doing this work mm. to make it uh, make it even feasible for me to do what it is that I do today. Like, even the conversation we're having, I know we were going to talk about it, around, like, police brutality and accountability and right. stuff. That fight has been going on 40 years, right. 50 40 years. Long time. And, and now that we're starting to see, like, defunding happening and right. reallocation of money and officers also are actually being charged right. and the narrative being and changed. And convicted. That's yeah. right. That took years centuries to do right so um i always like to like give support to those who you know were looking into these things when i was just a child (laughs) and they were hitting their head up against a brick wall yeah and they were not getting anywhere right but they did clear the path for us to be able to do this and i feel honored and i wish i could meet every person who tried to do something similar (laughs) before me um, but I also like to just put it out there that I know for a fact that our parents and our grandparents and their peers and siblings and the people in their generation fought really, really hard for us to have all of these advantages that we have now. Although we're still fighting, yep. mm. but we are now armed with um, access to things that we wouldn't have had access to shit 15 it, years ago. Yeah. And, and it makes it easier to continue the fight. And I think it's also like... The fact that both both matters that you went for passed unanimously mm-hmm. shows that it takes a per it, it sometimes it just takes people experiencing something you know in that moment and sometimes when you think you know what this should be a common sense thing you bring it up to someone and you're like you know what you're right and it really sometimes can be that easy to right make it the the awareness like of it was really yeah. all that was missing it, th- right. that, was that, that senator was missing. had no they idea that was going, going on. on that's right all yeah. those legislators had no idea that was going on why because they're not women and they've never been to jail yeah. exactly and then the fact that in Tallahassee um i think 85% of the legislative body is men almost <laughs> they're not even going to think men. of this no <laughs> right. right and that means that black and brown communities underserved communities and women mm-hmm. are usually left out of the conversation right. but what i think is happening is that um one this younger generation is waking up and they're forcing their parents to think different <laughs> <laughs> i strongly believe that yeah absolutely and then also the fact that like um they know that they can't continue the same way, right? Like, politics don't work like that no more. Nope. That's right. are not going to um, get away with it anymore. And then, too, like, the status quo is not the majority anymore, right? People of color are the majority nowadays. So That's right. either you're going to get right or you're going to get, get out. Right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you're not going back to your office. We've reached that point. Right. We've reached that point where you, you can't get away with ignoring this community anymore. Right. And not Ooh. only ignoring, mm-hmm. but not truly listening. They heard for a little bit because right. it was the okay, it was the right thing to do to hear, mm-hmm. but they didn't listen. Right. They didn't take action. And now is the real time that we're actually seeing that for the first time. Um, I want to go backwards just a little bit you because to me, Amendment Four is huge. Absolutely. I voted for that. I know you voted yep. for that. 
I talked about it with several of my friends around that time. I tried to make sure that it would push for that, especially because in Florida, some of the amendments are structured where it's like, you're voting for this, but also we're throwing this in there, they right? Bundle. Yeah, bundle they bundle. So it was a little bit confusing for some, uh, especially some first-time voters that aren't used to voting in local elections or any of that. They think voting is just about the president. Uh, it was a level of education that I had to go into. Guys, this is super important. Mm -hmm. Like, I know for sure a couple of you might even have a DUI or, or might be considered a felon. So you need to know that this this amendment is existing and that we're trying to do this. Tell me a little bit about your role in Amendment 4 passing and just give the people a little bit of background on Amendment 4 in case they're not familiar or from Florida. So Amendment 4 um, was the legislation that actually allow that that is allowing um, returning citizens or what people would know as felons mm. um, the right to vote. Right. Right. Um, they had been fighting for that for almost seven or eight years, right? Wow. Um, I jumped into the fight in 2016. I was working at New Florida Majority, completely hid the fact that I was a returning citizen um, because wow. I, they didn't know. No, well, I thought they didn't know. Okay, I didn't because I didn't tell them. I didn't write it on my resume or right. anything. And um, one day, Desmond Me, yeah, um, that's the guy. Him and his organization, the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition were the people who literally were leading this fight in partnership with over 200 organizations wow. across the state. Wow. And um, he came down. Um, we was on a radio show here locally, and I was on the show. And he was like, you know, V, I've been trying to get in touch with you. I want you to start doing some work around. Then was let our people vo um, vote. It okay. was not Amendment 4 at the time because okay. it takes some processes for it to get an amendment number. Right. And... Um, I looked at, I was looking crazy like, Desmond, don't say that. And then my boss at the time was there. Right. Gihan was sitting there. He was like, V, I knew you was a felon before I hired you. Calm down. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Because well, I was really nervous. Because y'all right. know, like, right. yeah. Yeah, that has carries that, a stigma to right, it. Right, it carries a stigma. And I, I, I used to hide it all the time. But then once I, like, got around like people like Desmond, people like Topeka Sam and some other folks around the country who all I have served time. And they like, listen, we served our time. We paid our debt to society. I don't understand why we're still being punished when we come home. Right. 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 And, and, and then and they, they move on in your life. Right. And the fact that in America, it's against our civil rights, right. Mm -hmm. To be taxed and not be able to participate. Yep. Taxation without representation. representation. That's right. Right. And, um, it took me to do some political education on it. Mm. And they was like, V, didn't you serve your time? Didn't you complete everything the courts told you to complete? Right. Why are you still being denied your rights as a U.S. citizen? Right. And that made so much sense to me. So um, I started to just do the work like anywhere they needed me to be. I learned what I needed to learn. I learned the insides and the outside of the legislation, almost by memory, some of it. <laughs> and I would go around like I was one of what they would call a credi credible me messenger. Okay. And then, too, I also had to make room for people who <clears throat> may have went to jail or prison for harsher things than I did, right? Yeah. Right. Um, I went to jail, almost went to prison for cutting a check for my tuition. It was a bounce check. Mm. So, of course, a person like, V deserves her rights yeah. back. Right, right. One check, right. that's nothing. Who wouldn't? Right, yeah. but then at the same time, like, my brother, who just came home for prison for fraud, 
does he not deserve his rights back? He served he his time. He did the mm-hmm. thing. And um, we also realized that this wasn't just a black thing or just a Latinx thing. After you look at the numbers and the data, everybody, especially poor people, were being affected by this. Right. And um, we fought hard. We fought hard. And um, the strategy was to get everybody, Republicans, Democrats, rich, poor, white, black, Latinx, whatever. Whatever language you spoke, they yeah. got the, the literature <laughs> to you, right? You're and, voting. Right. And then, like, it just it was just like we deserve a second chance. Mm. And um, a lot of people are a part of the institutions that claim they um, are for second chances, like churches. Right. Right. Churches be like, oh, you should forgive. You should do the mm-hmm. thing. But then mm. when you leave the church, you think a person shouldn't get a second chance when they make a mistake. And um, keep that same energy. That's yeah. right. But then it was great when you had like a, a coalition, Faith in Florida, which is a coalition of clergy, not just pastors in the Christian church, but rabbis and everything. Wow. Oh, and everybody wow. steps up and say, hey, these individuals, they may have made a mistake, but they deserve a second chance. And then to even meet pastors and rabbis like, hey, I, too, am a returning citizen. And you listen to me preach every weekend. Right. I deserve right. this space. And then what ended up happening, y'all ever watch True Blood? Yeah. So y'all remember when they first told the vampires y'all could come show yourself or whatnot? Uh-huh. That's kind of sort of what happened. It was mm. just like, if you're a returning <laughs> citizen, be truthful about it right. now, right? Because yeah. right. that's the only way. And then when you start to see business owners and Shit, some politicians, right, right. like uh-huh. all sorts of people Honestly, from all walks of life, all careers. And then I think that changed the ideology I, or the yeah. narrative or the look of what yes. a returning citizen was. Like we don't Absolutely. we don't look like what they try to portray people inside of these movies. And even if a person does look like that, does that make them a bad person? No. So um what ended up happening, mm. we ended up getting over 65% of the state to vote in favor of Amendment 4, right? Um, it was a glorious day. Absolutely. That was the first piece of um, prison reform in the state of Florida in the last 100 years. What? <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. Hearing things like that is just... Yeah. That's and it nuts. took almost 10 years for it to pass. Wow. And then to think that um, right now in our um, state legislature, they're trying to roll pieces of it back. They're trying to debate if people deserve their rights to vote. I heard that they were basically trying to instill a new version of a poll tax on said returning citizens before they could actually go ahead and vote. Right. And and ultimately, people need to know and understand this, right? The fines and fees that you occur while you're on probation is not given to you when you're sentenced, Mm. right? At the time of my sentence, right, they told me exactly what the terms of my sentence was. I was going to be a convicted felon, right, that that I was going to be on probation for two years mm-hmm. and what my probation included. So my probation included me doing community service. service. I had to pay restitution, right, and I had to do the thing, right? Now, fines and fees is stuff that you, the 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 tab that occur, um, like kind of accumulates, accumulates. Yeah. While you're on probation, this is after you were mm, sentenced. When you're not even yeah. so, yeah. that that fines and fees stuff is completely different than your sentence, mm-hmm. right? And those are two separate documents. So you could, and a lot of people have, you could have fulfilled your whole probation, be released from probation, and still owe fines and fees, mm-hmm. right? So they had to. I mean, on the ground, we had to organize. Thank goodness we have state's attorneys and, and, and county clerks who have a 
a brain right. who just was like, we're not going to side with the state with that. Right. We're going to do this. And you had some people waiving all the fines and fees. Right. And then you had some people like here in our county, here in Miami-Dade County, they literally just um, separated the two documents, right? Once your sentence is completed, even if you owe fines and fees, you still can register to vote, mm. right? Because fines and fees sometimes, and I don't know if y'all ever seen how fines and fees work. But no, I, I, that, that was my next question. What are, what are they? So you got to pay, like, for being on supervision, and then sometimes you got to pay, like, you got to um, give money to the sheriff's kids fund and the whole thing. So, like... Wow. You, you could have ha- have owed only like $500 in restitution. So that's paying the money back for the thing you may have taken mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or paying for whatever to the victim. Yeah. Right? Like in your actual case. In, that in, that, in that your, covers your actual case. Right. right. But the fines and fees could be almost 40 times greater than the restitution. Wow. Yes. Like I, it's one sister who that's in bullshit. Jacksonville that we're fighting real hard for right now. Her restitution was like $380, but with the fines and fees included was almost $4,000. Nobody has no, that like, on hand like that. Right, no. right. No. And then you're going to deny her her right to, to vote, vote because of that. And for those people who think that voting doesn't count, they are not doing all of this stuff and, and, and fighting and, all, and stopping you from voting. Because it don't matter. Exactly. That's people should That's just right. think about that. Like That's right. Your vote yeah. matters that much that they're doing everything in their power illegally. So that you can't vote. Right. Because they want to suppress you from being able to vote because they'll right. know what happens if everybody who can vote actually, actually goes out goes and votes. Out. Right. So I, I always tell people this, that voting is very important. Mm. I believe that we should have free-thinking, well-educated voters. And you vote for your best interest for your community and yourself. And there's nothing wrong. And that's and that's also me having to be mindful of my views on certain people. Right. But I also want people to know and understand that your vote matters a whole lot. And it is definitely people who are out here fighting to try to stop you from doing it. And honestly, even if you go to the polls, like at one point in time when I first became a voter when I was 18, I was real proud to vote because I was just like, even if I go in here just (laughs) to push back on white supremacy and and just to do it for my ancestors, every person who couldn't do it before they did the Voting Rights Act, I'm going to come in here and drop my ballot for them. And that was my whole thing. Like, honestly, I wouldn't even look into the candidates because I didn't care as long as I showed up. And and I know that wasn't a good thing. (laughs) But but that's that's how much it was about the act. I was at 18. I was 18 and, and I would go down the ballot and pick everybody Democrat. (laughs) <laughs> right, which probably wasn't the best thing to do. Right, it but it was how it was what you were uh, right. like. It was how you not conditioned, but kind yeah. of raised to, right. to look at it that at that young of an age. Exactly, and I voted, and I was voting every time I got a chance. I was real proud when I voted for Barack Obama the first time. Oh yeah, and then I couldn't vote for him the second time because I was a felon. Yeah. You know, wow. and and I was just like, okay. The, how much I had to go through to fight to get my voting rights back. I'm never going to allow anybody to tell me that my vote does not matter. Oh, yeah. Great point. I think that was something that I was going to see if we slid into, and uh-huh. you bringing it up was really great because we both know people who might take that approach. I'm right. sure you know people who still might take that approach. Uh, you know, guys, the system's whatever it is, yeah. man. You're not yeah. going to be able to do anything with your vote, man. It's not going to change anything. All right, well, then why are they trying so hard for us not to be able to do it? Exactly. If that were really true, if they didn't care and the votes didn't count for anything and they're going to do what they're going to do anyway then why would they go so much out of the way to create voter suppression, to set up gerrymandering, 
to set right. up all these other processes and systems in place. Locking people out of the polls just yep. here recently, yesterday. Yeah, uh, in Kentucky. In Kentucky. Yeah, so there was a primary Locked. election in Kentucky, just to uh, yeah, kind of bring it up to speed, give some context. Uh, there was a primary election in Kentucky this week. Their polls closed at, I think it was 7 p.m. Uh-huh. There was still thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of people who had not yet voted. There is a county in Kentucky. It's called Jefferson County. This is where literally almost all of the black people in Kentucky live. Mm -hmm. Guess how many polling places there are in Jefferson County? One. One. There's 600,000 registered voters in Jefferson County, Kentucky. A lot of them are black. They were not allowed to vote yesterday. A lot of them were not allowed by their own polling station in the United States of America to go and place their vote. They were locked out of a building. There's a video of people banging on doors so that they can go and have their right to vote. And they were denied that right yesterday, here, in 2020, in the country, y'all who are listening to this for the most part, living. Right. And, and that was and that was because it was all of these people still left in line because of the fact that there's only one polling place and yep. they closed 13 minutes early. Yep. It's, oh, yeah. On top of that, they right, closed yeah, a little early. early. And also, the law says as long as you're in as the line, line. Yeah, as long as you're they in the have line, to you have let to you let vote. vote. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they didn't do that, and then they closed. It was at, originally in Kentucky, mm. in Jefferson County, it's actually other voting sites. But then they claimed because of COVID, yep. they're going to bring, which right. was dumb, because right. now you're bringing thousands, thousands of people of to people one place. Right. Right. Hey, we can't, we can't split you guys up, so but we're just going to have you all come to the same place. The smarter was to open up more polling places so it won't be spread out. But no, they don't want to do that. So they did this thing, and... um. Honestly, like I didn't even look at the results of the election because I'm quite sure that it we know go. what happened. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, that's just one example right. of how mm-hmm. this happened. Right. We saw what happened in 2018 in Broward County with the election oh, yeah. and all of these things. And they do these things all the time, y'all, all the time. So the only way that you all can, one, handle it is one to vote people out of seats. That's right. Because they continue to do that because they want to hold power. Right. And then secondly, um, with organizations like New Florida Majority, we do a lot of um, poll watching, mm. voter protection. So um, we always looking for volunteers to do that. These are not people who are just working at the polls. These are people who work at organizations and community members who know the law. We give them training, and they stand at the polls to make sure, like, they're not holding the line. And, um. you know, you like in Miami, one time we had a um, – a 90-something-year-old woman in North Miami waiting in line eight hours trying to vote <gasps> in the hot sun. And, I mean, y'all, we had a, a heat um, a little heat alert. Yeah, today. Yeah. They told oh, yeah. us to yeah. be careful yeah. today. Yeah, yeah, it was hot. So that, that happened. And in November, for those who don't live in Miami, in November, it feels like summertime. <laughs> That's right. You know? So we it's oftentimes that that happens, but people still press, people still push, people still fight. That's right. So... Just get out there and vote, y'all. Do your, do your part. And even if you're doing it just for yourself or somebody who ain't here no more mm. or just to be mad at the system, mm. go drop the ballot. And I'm never going to tell you how to vote, but all I'm, all I'm going to tell you is that you need to vote. Absolutely. For sure. That, I second that all the way. If you know me, you know that I've probably told you that in person before. This shit matters, bro. But the, I know the pods and facts don't matter. That that's supposed to be ironic, and you should know that by now. Right, right, right. Voting fucking matters, man. And so to, and and today, on top of that, today there's so there we have so many resources 
to as easy as Googling something that will break down every single thing that you're voting for. Because when I voted for Amendment 4, that was my first time voting. And I went and I was like, I know there's this is more than the presidential election. Mm. Like, and I went and I broke everything down, every amendment, what I was doing, practiced it, like... There's no excuse anymore. There's just and, not. And some of these media outlets have been doing an amazing thing. Yeah. Like, I, I know in the primary, um, before and we had in March, before then, like, you could go on, I think it was, like, CNN or something like that, mm-hmm. type in, like, your zip code, and, like, they'll give you, like, 10 questions. Like, yep. do you care about this type of thing, or mm-hmm. do you not care yep. about that type of thing? Da, 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 da. And they're, like, based on your questions, these are the top three people that you may want to vote for. Got it. And they'll give yeah. you, like, their slate. Like, this person is pro this. This person right. is anti this. Right, da, da, right. Da, 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 da. And they'll still give you options to look at everybody else. Of but course. they showed you, like, they kind of broke it down and kind of helped you, like, identify what was great for you. Yeah. And I thought that was a super helpful Absolutely. tool. Absolutely. Although, like, a person like me probably didn't need it. But I, th- I right. know, like, for yeah, the other, I was sending it to everybody, like, yo, if you're Go unsure, out. Right. here. That's a great thing. tool for the crowd that claims right. they're not into politics. Politics, yeah. right? right? The, like, the not into politics. And nobody group. needs to know. Like you don't have to explain to nobody why you voted the way you voted. Mm-hmm. Just go vote. Yep. And honestly, it's a great tool to take or look into Google. You, it's so many organizations who release what they call slates. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you can look at these things and you vote what you think is best. Like in, it, in, it, in, it, it's like a practice ba- ballot, basically. Right. They, mm-hmm. And then you can Where also you get a sample ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, at the supervisor election website, Got it. and you can literally see what's good. Like by putting in your address mm-hmm. and your name, you can literally they'll pull up what your ballot is going to look like, mm-hmm. and then that helps you with your research. Like, oh, let me look into these two right. folks, or right. let me look into yeah. this person, or I know this person, but I don't really agree with them. Let me see if somebody else uh, may be better fitting for my community. And it's it's a lot of tools out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, New Florida Majority mm-hmm. is kind of your focus right now. Right. Your work that you're doing with them. And one of the things I found really interesting when I first uh, was reading up on the organization, which I found out about the organization only a little bit before um, I had found out about you. Um, So they don't only focus on one specific cause. They focus on various different causes. Right. So I was looking at their website. They help on voting related things against voter suppression, getting more people registered to vote. But then they also help with climate change and getting awareness around that issue. But then they also work on criminal justice reform. So to me, New Florida Majority is representative of or what organizations look more like in 2020, where they form coalitions, create campaigns led mm-hmm. by your, uh, someone like yourself, and then achieve specific goals uh, in these different areas. Right. Talk to me a little bit about how New Florida Majority is structured and how they accomplish these different victories in these very different areas. It, it would seem right. like you need a team of people that know all these different worlds to actually accomplish what you guys have accomplished. Right, right, right. So um, one, I want to give y'all a quote um, by the Lord. The Lord said, um, I don't have a single issue fight because I don't live a single issue life. Oh. And I'm talking about Audrey Lord. Wow. Um, and she, one of the most amazing black feminists ever, mm. uh, revolutionary minds. And, um, the New Florida Majority is an independent political edu- um, organization that does voter education, and also we focus on different issues that impact black and brown and underserved communities here in the state of Florida. 
Um, the name of our organization is the New Florida Majority. We are trying to build a new majority in the state of Florida. Um, our team is pretty massive. We're not a small group of folk. Mm-hmm. Um, we have offices all through the state. Miami, Broward, Palm Beach, Duval, Leon County, Gatson County. Um, did I say Palm Beach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it may be some other folks in the middle of that. And then we work in coalition with organizations like um, Organized Florida, SEIU, um, Jobs for Justice. I mean, Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. Right. It's a, it's, I mean, Florida Immigrant Coalition. There's so many organizations that we work in coalition with. And that's how we're able to accomplish all of these different things, right? Um, we do a lot of work around electoral justice. So that's the work we do around voter education, right. voter registration, um, making sure people are prepared to participate in democracy every day. And then our fight is to shift how democracy works in our communities to make sure that it's people-focused, that people-ran and people-powered. So that's exactly what we do. And then also we sometimes drill down into certain issues, right? Um, Climate justice, criminal justice, and also gender justice. So as the campaign director, I am proud to be able to assist with the portfolio around the criminal justice, climate justice, and gender justice. Um, And through those different departments, we have our campaign work. So that's what the Dignity for Incarcerated Women Act grew out of. That's the work we do with like Reform Her Symposiums. That's a um, detailed conversation on the intersection intersection of mass incarceration and women rights so we do a lot of work around that um we fought against the roe v wade um thing that they try to do in tallahassee Mm -hmm. and all the anti-abortion stuff that they're trying to do Mm -hmm. in our state we also do a lot of work around climate justice i mean we toe-to-toe with fpnl almost every year Mm. um because fpl by the way (laughs) facts um (laughs) Just pin that out there. Because they they, don't know why, you need to know why. Right. (laughs) Because they definitely prey Mm -hmm. on people around these light bills and electricity bills. And honestly, um, we do a lot of work around hurricane preparedness mm. um, because that's a huge thing, especially in our state. Of course. Um, with Especially with Miami being ground zero for sea level rise. Yes. Right. Um, we are on the world's forefront of what people want to see around mitigation um, resiliency. And honestly, we have yet to win the, the fight around it because even though Miami is talking a good game, in Florida talks a good game about climate change and, yeah. and all this stuff. It's inequitable, right? Yep. So poor people are still not allowed in these spaces and they're not included in the planning. So therefore, when they're dealing with situations, they take the brunt of it, right? And um, we also know because of redlining and segregation and right. immigration and all the things, right, that adds extra layers and extra nuances to the fight. So although we focus in on three or four things, right? Our goal is to be in partnership to fight for it all, you know? But sometimes, like, we'll take lead or we'll just be in support of um, in certain instances. And um, that's how we're able to do that. Um, Mm. Our staff is dope. Um, We have people (laughs) who um, focus on specific things. You have people who know, like, housing, like no other 
Um, we have people who could tear apart a budget. We have a political director and policy folks on our team. We have amazing feminists that teach and are trying to push for what we call a feminist economy. Mm. Um, we have an amazing scientist lead in our climate justice work, um, Joanne. She's like one of the most brilliant black women I ever met in my life. Awesome. And she also works with a team of folks across the state to teach people one, about climate resiliency, how to protect your house and your family, and then also how to get your life back in track after those storms. And then um, under the criminal justice umbrella, um, we have people who are directly impacted by the criminal justice system. And um, one of our our, our um, amazing organizers actually served nine years in federal prison, and she was one of the best jailhouse lawyers there is. And, I mean, you should see her go. You should see her go. She she yeah. goes nonstop. Her and um her um counterparts in Jacksonville, Nubian. These people they don't stop. Our staff don't stop. They don't sleep. COVID hit. We in rapid response, and then the uprising happened. We still in rapid response, and mm. the dust storm coming, and all the things. And, <laughs> the dust storm. And then we prepare for showing out. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> but it's 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 although the work can get heavy. I think um, New Florida majority. And our partners, um, and I mean all of our community partners, from individuals to smaller organizations to large organizations, are ready. We are prepared. We are. We have a lot of fight in us, and um, we are prepared to make sure that our people are not screwed over. And honestly, it took years to get here, long years, mm-hmm. but we're here now, right? So everything that people thought, like, oh, they're never going to empty out right. the jail. COVID hit. They right. emptied the That's jail it. out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And now, like all the things that they said they couldn't do, right. we now know that our government could have been can, can right? bid done it, right? And so I think like that was the whole push around the organizing, right? right. That's the conversations you have at um, community meetings, like um, Peace in the Hood, which is a small, um, amazing, consistent for years community meeting that happened in Liberty City. People come in, they do political education. Right. We talk about local politics Mm. and then people go out in the world and they spread the message. Right. And honestly, it takes for every household to be talking about it. Everybody to be each one, teach one. That's right. And it's just not good enough. Just the hashtag or just the social media push. Right. It's the the deep level of community organizing and being in community and making sure people know and understand that these things are here. Mm. Right. And just to have like, you know, people consistently 67 or 70 people every third Thursday willing to come out their house and sit into the same space and learn and educate themselves. We have people's assemblies every month where we have 40 to 50 people in different communities come together to discuss local politics. We also have our steering committees where we have a steering committee for dignity, right? All these are formerly incarcerated women that come together monthly and we discuss these things. That legislation that goes up to Tallahassee, these women draft that legislation themselves. And like, that's the thing that happens and then that's how you get support from legislators. That's how you get support right. from other leaders. That's how you grow and you educate a community. It, Amendment 4 didn't just happen. Right. Right. It took for a lot of people to, one, push back on myths. Right. One, for people to be brave and choose courage over fear um, for us to get here right now and for us to change what we see as America, because America has been holding strong to a narrative for many, many years, blaming people of color for oppression that we didn't create. Mm-hmm. And and now that people are starting to wake up from that, and that wasn't just a one thing or a movie, 
Nope. That wasn't just one police involved killing that did that either, right? Nope. Mm-hmm. Because if y'all looked at the conversation we was having around Trayvon Martin to what's happening right now with George Floyd, those are two separate conversations. That's what you call evolution. That's right. That's evolution. That's, that's progress. That's right. That's that's evolution. That's progress. That's an example that it's not for nothing. So many people will think or, or, or try to claim like, ah, no, that's cool and all, but what yeah. will it really do? Well, you're seeing that now. You've seen right. that now more than ever. Right. There's a lot of people when 2012 is Trayvon. Right. And between Trayvon, Tamir Rice, and then Mike Brown, there was people who, when I would bring this kind of thing up, well, what are we going to do? Yeah. Well, what are we going to do? Or, you get that kind of empathetic reaction to a certain extent, but then they just kind of hit this wall in their head of, no action. well, that's the way things are. And... It was the conversation of, like, we try to find a reason to blame everything and everybody else, but who actually causing the issue, right? Mm. It's a systemic issue. Yes. We allow people to individualize it. Oh, that was just Trayvon Martin. Yeah. That was just Tamir. No, this is something yeah. that's happening all over the world. And um, now that we are in solidarity because of the education, right. mm-hmm. um, now when they try to bring up George Floyd's um, arrest record, people hmm. like, we don't care. We don't yeah. care. Exactly. We don't care. That trick isn't going to work right. anymore. Sorry. Like, the f- even the fact that like when Mike Brown passed away, even some debate about yeah. if it was okay for him to be murdered because he supposedly stole some cigarellos, right. like, that's not even, if he would have yeah. got caught with the cigarellos in his pocket and went to jail, they would have gave him a, a, a little notice to show up to court. Yeah, right. He wouldn't it. even went to prison right. for no right. cigarellos. Right. So how do we even equate that to him right. Dying, dying, right? Nothing that any of them did equated to them dying, right? Brianna Taylor, um, we see Tony McDade, that's um, a black trans person who was murdered in Tallahassee two days before George Floyd did, um, died. Like, it was, it's something that happens all the time. Way too often. Way too often. Even now, way too often. Exactly. And we're dealing with it on a on a rec on a daily basis almost. And then now you're noticing that it's not just the police department who uphold that. It's the police union. It's also mm-hmm. our legislators who are overfunding the police to do jobs that they should not be doing, i.e. mental health response. Mm. Right? I don't understand why the police is being right. called to the... When somebody is having a crisis... They're not trained they, to handle that. They're not trained to handle that. And we have mental health organizations who barely get funding. That doesn't make sense, you know? So I know um, a lot of people probably feeling hopeful right now. Absolutely. Right? Now and, more, now way more than before, for yeah. sure. And I think um, it was a perfect storm. I think COVID had to happen. Yep. And then... Ahmaud Aubrey had to happen. Mm. Tony McDade had to happen. Mm. And then to know that it was so many other people being murdered by police during the quarantine, right? And then when George Floyd happened, that was literally just the straw that broke the camel's black yep, back, right? That's what it was. And people are just tired, tired. Like America has 700 years of oppression in it. And, and and people need to know and understand that none, none of the 700 years work and then none of it is fair and none of it needs to be here because we all pay taxes. That's right. Our ancestors helped build this place. That's right. Right? We are not More than immigrants. helped. Pretty right. much built it. We built it. And, and then on top of that, the fact that you have immigrants telling other immigrants that they need to go. <laughs> That's like, crazy. That's always I, crazy to me. I'm like, deport yourself first. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't even your land, colonizer. <laughs> colonizer. Like, <laughs> like, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's a lot. It's yeah. so much to it take is. in. It is. Um, but I think people are ready. Absolutely. People are ready, yeah. and people are not going to stand down. 
um, we see that in these um, protests that it's multiracial. Right? Yes. It's not just black oh, people absolutely. sitting out there. Mm-hmm. It's not just Latinx folks. It's not no. just white people. Everybody is like, we're tired of this. Mm-hmm. We're tired of it. We don't want to live in a world like this no more. Mm-hmm. Our America don't have to feel like that anymore. That's right. Right. We want to feel liberated from oppression just the way that y'all did, pilgrims, when y'all came over and took these indigenous people in. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about that. <laughs> Okay, I'll get on my soap. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I think a really good point in that that you hinted at earlier is the fact that people are ready in that our generation more than ever is saying, you know what, we yes, your parents, your family, we respect you, all of this, but they're more willing than ever to have those hard conversations. Mm. Right. And I think that especially in Miami, you know, with so many Hispanic, you know, baby boomer generation parents, we're all willing to say, you know, you know what, we're living in a different world and the way that you ignored your parents and didn't face issues, that obviously didn't work because nothing changed. So we're actually willing to do that and, you know, change more minds. Can I ask your age? Yeah, I'm I'm about to be 25. (laughs) Okay, yeah, you're a Gen Zer. She's a Gen Zer. Okay. I'm a millennial. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. But listen, one thing I like about Gen Zers, right? Mm. Okay. I always say they they about to fuck the shit up. Like, yep. yeah, <laughs> it's clear. <laughs> and, it's clear. <laughs> and you know what? And I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah. It's time to yeah. just rip these systems apart. Because like for Burn a long down. time, we like, we want justice. We want equality. These Gen Zers, like, we don't want none of that Nothing. shit. We're doing Throw it all away. Yeah. And we're going to start the shit over. <laughs> right? And I am for it. And I'm yeah. like, yes, you know, yeah. I get it. And then I, I wanted to give you some language to mm-hmm. use with that having conversations look up anti-blackness right okay um because that's like what happens with um with um latinx families yes um or latinx community yes that's their form of white supremacy right yes because they can't be white supremacists because they're people of color right because white people screw over latinx folk all All the time time. right and And that's what they don't understand (laughs) right the most part and 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 and, and that's a a, it's a deep conversation Mm -hmm. that especially needs to be held in south florida absolutely for sure but i think what's happening is you're having like you said more and more people like Nah, granddad. Right. That ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't 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 working. That's not what we do anymore. And even amongst the black community, we have to have a lot of conversations. Like, listen, our Haitian brothers and sisters is not not a threat. They're Mm. not they're not that. Like, you know, we I think millennials and Gen Zers, we have did a lot of work to dismantle those systems within ourselves and that shows up in the way we move through the world. So you're starting to see way more um, intersections happen. And honestly, that's where the world needs to go. We need to liberate ourselves from oppressive systems, thinking, ideology, for us to get past these things because either y'all going to give us our freedom Oh, we gonna dismantle your shit. <laughs> Whichever one Facts. you want. Because I always tell people, they like, oh, y'all saying defund the police. I was like, y'all wasn't saying nothing to us. We was asking for justice 10 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We was asking yep. mm-hmm. for body cameras. We was asking for officers to be arrested. Didn't it didn't work. So as a taxpayer, I know I have the power to go in there and tell my legislator, I don't want this police department to have $400 million of our tax dollars. That's right? right. And that's the difference. That's the difference. I think the ask is different now. People are just like, we're tired of that. Yeah. And I know at um like at our organization, we've been had this idea that for us to really um um create a new democracy, it's gonna have to be dismantling the existing one. That's right. Right? Um we have to put Which sounds radical. It yeah. sounds radical, yeah, but, but it's necessary. Super necessary. Super necessary. And I and I believe that we will do it. I, I honestly I never thought 
that in my lifetime, I thought I was going to do all the work, all the work that I was supposed to do in this. And when I passed away, mm-hmm. my grandkids are going to come do their part. And maybe they grandkids would see, right. you know, the dismantling yeah. of the police department. But now you see, mm-hmm. I'm it's like, oh, it's happening now. Right now. <laughs> and it feels good. And then the fact that people like, we can have safe communities. Okay. Yep. And not have over-militarized police. Absolutely. Yeah. We can have a safe country and not have these fucking borders up. <laughs> we can have equity and we can end homelessness without capitalism. Yep. We can do it. And I think it took a long time mm. for us to get there. But I think now that we've been showing them testing it and doing these things and doing that, and one the fact that we're not depending on one media outlet no more. Thank mm. God. I'd be so happy when I hear about a new podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> at one point in time, everybody getting all their news from CNN. Yeah. Right. Or from Fox News. Right. And that's like, not the case anymore. That's not the case anymore. People are like, we have our own media outlets come yeah. to us to get the news. You right. find out what's going on in your community through us. Newspapers and podcasts and, and new websites right. and everything. Even new newspapers. I'm like, mm. I want to see it all. Yeah. yeah. Continue to do that because that helps shift and push the narrative. I was talking to a journalist friend and I gave him a high five yesterday. And I was like, you know, I appreciate the work of black journalism and progressive journalists that work inside of the mainstream media because it's because of them. If we want to give it to them or not, that these narratives are being shifted, yep. right? Yep. Like they're fighting on the other side of the boardroom. That's not true. everybody fight. It's out in the street like mine, right? right. Like, this is a fight. Like, us, yeah. you all doing the podcast and using your platform, us having community meetings is a is a fight. And I think that is the part that people need to understand that this is not a sprint. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely not. It may feel it's a like it. We, it's right a now, marathon. it feels like one, right? Because uh-huh. right. especially uh, to your point, uh, well, to your age, Gen Zers are going to feel like, oh, we could get it all done. Because yeah, they're going into this age of like, Oh shit, it's working, right? Which is great because that gets them excited and kind of arms them with the confidence that they're going to need to continue to f- the fight. But it's also important that they know, like, we're not going to be done with this next weekend, no, okay? No. So you're not going to be back to whatever it was you were doing before this. Like, this is a long term thing. So right. it's great that y'all are joining up, but just know you don't get to leave next weekend. Yeah, and oh, yeah. that that takes me to two points. But one, I'll go first with this. I wanted to ask you about this while we're still on Florida, New Florida Majority, and then we're going to kind of move on. How can people get involved with New Florida Majority? At Oftentimes, people, they want to do more than the social post or the hashtag, mm-hmm. but they, they struggle with finding what is that first step to, to taking action. What can people do to get involved with New Florida Majority or like-minded organizations? Oh, real simple. Go to newfloridamajority.org, mm-hmm. or you can find New Florida Majority on all social media platforms in this New Florida Majority. Mm. Um, go on there. It's always a link for you to, you know, sign up to get our newsletter, Great. to become a volunteer or to become a member. And, um, that's usually with any organization Great. that you could think of. And usually once you join these spaces, you then find out about all these other organizations. Right. And you're like, okay, this seems more fitting or I could yeah. do new FM and, and also this thing and also that thing. And, and we, um, we, cause we work in partnerships. So we right. try to expose everybody to right. everybody. Um, so yeah, like go online and, um, look, look it up. It's, it's there. Take um, that extra step. Take yeah. that extra step. If you heard of an organization, whether it be Dream Defenders, New Florida Majority, whether you heard about it, now on this pod you heard about it. Maybe you didn't know where V was or who V was, but now you do. 
So now you know this organization exists. Right. You know what they're fighting for. If this aligns with you, don't just go ahead and like the IG post or yeah. reshare the story. Take hit. that extra step. Hit the site. Thank learn you. a little bit more about That's when the right. next event or whatever it is. And go ahead and show up. Because yeah. that can be the difference between you actually being a part of this and watching. And right. we need we need everybody to be a part of it. We can't have right. a lot of people on the sidelines for this one. Right. I'm sorry. We can't. That's right. And um, so... I used to drop a list of orgs that I, I love and that I think that would be a good place for people to, you know, join I can up. put them in the in the social and yeah. on the description and all that. So, of course, the New Florida Majority, that's my political home, one of my political homes that I love dearly. Apparently, I've been there four years, and it ain't about the money. <laughs> I love the place. Um, so, newfordamajority.org. If you're into, like, um, art, fashion, and things like that, you got the Roots Collective, Great. which is the local, I guess, an art collective and... Um, Culture Collective. Let okay. me say that. That's okay. better. And then, like, if you into, like, local media, um, you got Trapping Ain't Dead. They actually have a podcast like this one. Nice. Um, you all should join the collective. Okay. They have yeah. a collective Dope. of people yeah. cool. who do that. And also, we have, like, if you're into immigration rights, we have the Florida Immigrant Coalition. Like, if you want to focus on, like, black politics, you have the Black Collective. We have um, Dream Defenders, who usually work with, like, the younger set of folk. Right. Um, Power You, who work with youth, like, high schoolers and things like nice. that. And then, um, it's so many more. Oh, God, I'm losing my That's cool. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a lot of great organizations that's awesome. doing a lot of great work where people can plug in. Not saying that you can't do your own thing, but, like, just become connected to the bigger body so that all of us can make sure we just stay aligned and that when we when it's time to pop off, we all have the same message. That's like come like when all the uprising happened. People like, how are people in Miami saying the same thing to the people in California? That's connectivity. Mm-hmm. That's not that was not by mistake. That's right. because we are connected. Even if it's like three, four times removed, we are connected. We have contacts with people. Da 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 da. da. Like myself and my crew, we done did work all around the country. Mm. You know what I'm saying? With people, and we invite people to Miami all <laughs> the time. Yeah. And people are always gonna be happy to come to Miami. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. So another thing we touched on a little bit earlier, you alluded to it, is we when we talked about, um actually getting involved versus joining the trend right now we're at a moment where this movement has legs this movement is full speed right now ahead and we've seen companies that had plenty of time to act in the past but never did now start to speak out or take some sort of action right and jemima out of nowhere all of a sudden okay now that's a thing like if they didn't know for a hundred years that that was a thing um and, and other examples like that. We've seen that in the past few weeks, right? Yep. So I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit because I see two two different angles to that. One is, yeah, they definitely should have done it before. But then the other side to that is like, isn't it also a good thing that they're finally doing it? Yeah. Absolutely, right? So I, w- I want to ask you about the difference between a brand and a company who talks the talk and walks the walk. What are What are some things that you've seen either working with the work you've done that a brand or a company can do to actually prove that they're about it versus joining the trend. Yeah. So I like to bring up NASCAR. Okay. Okay. And the fact they like, nobody could bring Confederate flags. No more. That's That's it. That's it. And on the back end, they've been investing in black community. That's another thing, right? Okay. They've been like nonprofits, organizations, 
we want to support, right? There you go. And that's, to me, taking action. Not saying the CEO going to come out there with a Black Lives Matter sign, right? Right. Honestly, sir, we don't need you to do that. Right. Check or help us out just fine. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Now, with the ancient mama thing, right, for people who have been in what I call food justice, people who have been fighting around making sure, like, we don't have food deserts for those who uplift black food companies and Mm -hmm. things like that, this has been a fight for a long time. It has been something that petitions have been gathered for. Wow. And they've been sending letters back and forth to the company and a lot of things like that. So it's a few things, right? I'm very happy that Ancient Mama is finally going to shift mm-hmm. their their branding because it has everything to do with upholding a slave narrative. Right. Um, everybody knows what a mammy looks like. Right. If you don't know, go look it up. That is ancient mama. Mm-hmm. It's not like they put a black woman on their logo to uplift a black woman or black mm-hmm. women. They didn't get her in a Sunday best. Right. They got her in her servant clothes. Right. With the red rag around her head. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know they play like black women wrap their hair up all the time. We do that now. And they did that at a point, but that's it was never just for fashion, right? People right. tied up their hair for certain reasons. But and then they over exaggerated her car- um her caricature yeah like it was ridiculous it looked like um the slave like um the shows when they used to um oh, minstrel black, shows minstrel oh, shows yeah. right it like it was a black face and it's ridiculous right and then the fact of the matter is the person who they made this character caricature off of literally has never made no money from it nancy green nancy green nancy green has never made any money for this the original, literally the original picture of Ancient Mama, she was chained to the kitchen counter. Like her foot, <sighs> her ankle was actually shackled to the kitchen My counter. God. And her family is not seeing any royalties because her picture was floating around. I don't care how much they evolved it. They never paid her for her her picture, right? right. Um, they never poured into... The black community, right? Even though black people buy Ancient Mama all the time, because yeah. I guess because of the black face, and then people think it's black owned, but it's never been. That was the, to me, the illusion that they tried to kind of spin it as over the past 20, 30 years. Yeah. Where it was like, oh, it's very obvious what's on it, but that's because it's, you, you would think, yeah. oh, that must be some sort of black owned brand, right? Otherwise, right. why would they dare have why that logo? Right. Nope. And, and and they don't like just like the cream of wheat box, mm-hmm. just like Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben, yeah, like black people, even the black people who pictures they used, they yeah. didn't, they never paid these people. These families never pre- received any benefits for their family members' picture floating around the world. And honestly, changing the logo to one honor the fact that people haven't asked you to do it. It's all good and it's cute and it needs to be done. I'm not knocking that. But also what I'm asking Ancient Mama, Uncle Ben, and all these other companies to do is to invest, Mm. right? Invest in black communities. They could be giving free stuff to communities if they want to. Uh, People always could use rice and all these things, right? It's a lot of things that they can do. They can invest in community centers, Mm -hmm. um, different people, cooking classes for people, up-and-coming chefs. They could be uplifting black chefs and brown chefs, like giving them space, like pay the... um, not restitution. 
thing I mean before. The reparations. Mm. They could pay the reparations, especially for these companies and these brands that have made millions of dollars off of blackface all of these years. I think the next step should be the action step. Now, I do know companies that's doing it, especially a lot of tech companies. Mm. Not only are they, um, one, pushing inside of their company to make sure that more black people are being hired, but also they are like, we have these billions of dollars and we can cut checks or we can send support and resources into community or also give people opportunities like invest in other small tech companies or invest in these um, community centers that don't have computers. Like it could be something that could be done if you really care to do it. And I want to see these brands take that extra Extra step. step. And I'm I'm not saying that none of them are not planning on doing it, but as of right now, I have not heard anything of it. Um, Did you hear that they were doing Anything she mentioned so, outside of just changing the branding for Angel No, so I actually have a question on that because, mm-hmm. um, so I feel like brands also feel conflicted in this, and that some brands say, "Well, we really want to do all this good, and they are doing this good, but at the same time, if we advertise that and we say, hey, this is all that we're doing,' then they can face that backlash that they're not doing it to be good; they're doing it to, to play into to, a trend to or to make more money. It. They're uh-huh. they're pandering." Like, how do we know who's pandering versus who's not? To me, the example she gave is perfect. NASCAR is not pandering. Yeah. Because they're not going to tell their base that they can't bring Confederate flags like that to pander. They're doing it to make a stand. Like, to actually take a stance on it. How you don't pander is one makes systemic change within Mm. your company, right? That people can see and feel. And then also the outreach that you do, right? Mm. Um, And then also just do right by people, you're never going to make everybody yeah. happy. Right. Shit. We yeah. know that. Yeah. So if that's what you're trying to do, then you're doing it for the wrong reason in yeah. the first place. You're just exactly. trying to right a sure. wrong, right? right? Mm-hmm. So long as you did your due diligence and you did your thorough research and you put forward the plan that you thought could be best, right? You got the consulting and all of the things and you do that, then that should be good enough. Now, I know that sometimes... They are you. A lot of these big brands are used to pacifying, right? They used to like, oh, we're gonna just give out a scholarship. Right, yeah. right. No, we're not going for that one, y'all. Yeah. But, um, Got it. but like, it's, it's it's certain ways. But at the same time, I people know because they have black staff. Yeah, they have right. black staff. Yeah, right. and I, and sometimes I'd be like, who was the black person on staff there? Like, right? Yeah. How did this even? How get did this here? get get all the way out into the world? Nobody right. black was there, like to no. say this is a stupid <laughs> idea. Yeah, but you know, because systemically inside of their institutions, they don't care or yeah. or give space or give opportunity for black leadership. Right. right? Yeah. And honestly, when you do have black leadership, then you see long term investment mm-hmm. and long term opportunities. Right. Right. Um, one one tech company, I can't drop its name yet because they haven't made the announcement, but they only had about like 60. They had like 7000 staff. They have 7000 staff around the world, only 60 black. Right. <laughs> so when all of the uprising are happening, you know, the black employees like, yo, like. Right. It's a lot going on. Right. Inside. Yeah. Yeah. And what ended up happening was the CEO was like. In the next ninety days, we tripling the number of black people because wow. you y'all got the money to do it. Right, Cut it out. Right, we do it. Right. We're gonna uplift, and then also our our leadership of our institution is gonna look like this. Right, right. We're gonna make sure that black people are not just getting jobs here, but they also have the opportunity to become leadership here, right. buy shares, buy stock, all the things, 
And then on top of that, they decided to invest in like tech type of things in black community on top of that. Right. So I think doing the both and Mm -hmm. is what impressed me. Right. Because to have now shit with almost 200 black tech folk coming into a company that's making $150,000 entry level. Right. That's bringing black wealth. Right. Like in now, my opinion. Now, now you're starting to help that generational wealth gap right? change. So it's a both and. And then the fact that you put things in place in that. So it makes sure systemically that these type of oppressions are not happening in the, in the future. And I think that's how these brands and these companies can really show up. Absolutely. I don't have all the, the answers to that, right. yeah. but just based yeah. off of my assessment, like that's what I would like to no, see. That's great. Because like, I know like, six or seven community gardens that ancient mama can donate to that could give me a call and I could direct you all right there Mm -hmm. for all of these big old media companies. I have a lot of people on the ground who do media that does art that you can invest in. There's a lot of people who can, can um, really um, benefit. Our community could benefit if, if these groups in these collectives in these, um, platforms are invested into right because they're trusted platforms in our communities definitely um if you work for a company a brand a corporate any type of environment like that and you know that shit ain't the way it should be in there even if you're not black yourself but you or your black coworker, you've been like "Hmm, that shit shouldn't have gone down that way it's time to say something like you gotta send that email or make that thing known and and make your voice heard or or tell your friend or your coworker that they need to make their voice heard because now these these people in positions of power, they're not gonna have any option but to listen. They're gonna have to listen at, at a at a time like this. That's what's amazing about a moment like this and a movement like this is they're gonna have to listen. And now that people, because of COVID, which isn't really going down, but the world will the uh, the government will have you believe that things are getting fine. So because of that, people are going back to the workplace. And they're going back to the workplace after marching out there and 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 having this energy of we ain't putting up with that shit anymore. And going back into the workplace and realizing, oh, wait a minute, I put up with that shit in here. Why? I'm not going to keep putting up with that shit in here if I'm out there marching against it out there. Right. So I think we're going to continue to see that throughout the rest of this year and going into next year is people returning to the workplace and forcing that kind of change to occur on a systemic level within these brands or corporations. And also what's going to happen, and Dr. King talked about this, if every oppressed person in America was to just stop a stoppage of work. Stop going to work mm-hmm. and stop spending money. America will crumble. That's right. Literally. That's right. And I think that's what a lot of these institutions are afraid of because I think what they're starting to realize is people like, I'll mm. stay home. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we'll boycott your ass. Like, right. We will. They're we'll do it. Right. The pressure, finally. They finally feel in the pressure. And yeah. I think the reason why it's happening so, everything is happening so rapidly right now is because they was already in the economic tight because of COVID. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And then the fact that we are looking to go into a second wave, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless of what y'all president. Yeah, regardless saying. of what your president, your governor tells yeah, you. It's, it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to take a hit. So what you don't need is for anybody to be mad at you because whatever little coins they got, they are literally yeah. making very That's sound right. decisions on what they're going to oh, spend yeah. because right. they ain't got a lot of it right, right now. Mm-hmm. So don't be one of those companies. Right. Yep. That end up not getting a little piece of this coin that these people got left over. That's right. Right? And I think because the world had already stopped, mm-hmm. 
and you can't take another financial hit. That's right. You have to respond. You have to respond. And um, you've seen people quitting jobs during COVID. Like, yep. my unemployment check is more than my right. paycheck. Uh, I'm get that. Right, right, yeah. right. And that's the whole thing. It's a real thing. And I, I hope that we will see um, – a lot of more, a lot more systemic change, especially for these larger brands, these larger institutions that literally hoard resources, um, and uh, we can really shake their foundation to make sure that people, that the people who uphold your whole institution, are the people you are serving correctly. Absolutely. And the last thing I'll say on this, you, if you're listening to this, there's a 99.9 percent chance. You love black culture. You love elements of black culture, whether it's the music or whatever it might be. You love it. You, you embrace it every day of your life. You need to keep that same energy for black lives. You need to keep that same energy for the rights of these people who have been oppressed for this long. You can't love all of these things about the culture and not actually love the people. That's not how this shit works. And that's just not going to fly anymore. And that's what we're seeing outside. And that's what you're going to continue to see outside, inside, wherever you start going in. So that mentality of it's not my problem, that mentality of, well, yeah, it's, you know, that's, those are two very separate things. No, they're not. If you love black culture, which I promise you, you do, <laughs> then let's, let, let's, let's bring that you. over. Let's bring that over to yeah. actually taking action. Let's bring that over to making voices heard. You might be somebody who's not super big at your company. And I get that. You might feel like, Nobody's going to listen to this, but bro, try, try, because now more than ever, you might get that. You might get that thing. So I think now more than ever, we got to, we got to pay attention to that. And that's, that's the last point I wanted to give on that. Thank you so much for being here today. Of course, I really, really appreciate it. We, we tend to do something towards the end of the episode where uh, a song that you might've been listening to this week, we'll play it on the podcast. We'll call it the record of the week. We each pick one. I'll give you some time to p- to think of it and pick one. Cause I'm sorry. I didn't tell you ahead of time. No, I already but, got it. All right, great. Oh, so I'd love to start with you. Okay. If you tell me the name of the song, I got the Bluetooth already connected yep, and, yep, yep. and um, we'll get into record of the week. But before we get into record of the week, thank you so much for being here. Um, and for all the work you've done so far and please communicate to your team and all of your teams really that anybody from any of these organizations that's a part of this change that's happening right now is welcome to come here and sit in that seat with you and have conversations with us. And we'll continue to use this platform uh, to have fun. Sure. But also to shed light on these kind of things, because it's important. And um, so I really appreciate you being here. Do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? No, all just right. thank you. All the work you're doing. Uh, all, all of you. Uh-huh. Cool. Thank yeah. you. I think we've got just so enough time to get the records in. What's yeah. uh, okay. what's your record of the week, V? So this is an oldie but goodie. All right. <laughs> all right. It's been, it's been my feels for right. the last few weeks, but it's called The Power by Snap. The Power by? Snap. S-N-A-P. Sputnik. Whip, I snap, attack, front to back, in this thing called rap. Nigga like a double rhyme, double on a heavily level. Bang the bass, turn up the double. Radical mind, day and night, all the time. Seven, fourteen, fly, divine. Maniac, brainiac, winning the game. I'm the lyrical Jesse James.
that's the power. I snap. I bet you had heard that record before and you didn't know what it was called, but now you do thanks to V. So there you go. Another thing to thank her for. Uh, you got yours or am I going next? No, you go. All right. So today, the day we're recording this, is the 24th anniversary of the greatest, one of the greatest rap albums of all time. Definitely Jay-Z's best album, Reasonable Doubt. Uh, 1996 today is when that album released. So I'm going to play a track off Reasonable Doubt. This is Feeling It. Send the air one time and bust your shit. These fake rappers can't really know I'm loving it. <laughs> you feeling it? Nightmares, mom. It's feeling it from reasonable doubt. We all agreed while we were listening that best Jay Z album, even to this day. Um, all right, Karina, you're up. All right, everyone hit me by surprise with these good TBTs, but <laughs> this song is this a newer song or is this a TBT? I actually I don't think this song is new, no, it's definitely not. But, right, but um, it's Sun My Sweet Son by I don't even know who it is by. <laughs> it's just, red it's axis on, red axis it's on my workout playlist and it just pumps me the fuck up to go get some shit done oh this is way better <laughs>
All right. I'm sorry about that, guys. I don't know what the fuck Karina was thinking. But anyway, this has been the Facts Don't Matter podcast, episode 14. I appreciate you all for listening as always. Thank you, V, for being here. Thank you so much. Um, Karina, thank you for coming, but trash record. Um, We will see you all next week. And also, if you were interested in anything that you heard today, uh, make sure that you check out the websites we mentioned. I'll do whatever I can on social and in the description of the episode to make sure all the resources and links and all that kind of stuff is there. Because uh, if you want to get involved, now's the time to go ahead and do it. Uh, rest in peace, Breonna Taylor. Arrest and convict and charge and all that shit. The cops that killed Breonna Taylor. Uh, rest in peace, Rayshard Brooks. Rest in peace, Ahmaud Arbery. Rest in peace, George Floyd.